this woman to watch movies, and do you take this man to talk about them? I now pronounce you a podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Wife Watches. Here we are. I'm the wife. I'm the husband. Who watches? I, I am watching as well. Today we are watching... Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens. A little bit of context for this movie. So after 2005's Revenge of the Sith, series creator George Lucas stated that despite hinting in the 70s and 80s that there could be up to 9 or 12 movies, his Star Wars saga was over. So imagine my surprise sitting in Dr. Kan's elections class, Utah State, on an October afternoon in 2012, and looking at my iPod Touch and seeing news that Walt Disney had acquired Lucasfilm for $4 billion and that immediate plans for a sequel trilogy were underway. I, I can't get past $4 billion. Isn't that crazy? You know what? He donated... If not the majority, so much, like, if not all of it, the majority of that money to charity. George Lucas. Well, it's because he had so much money. Okay, well, it's still impressive. Well. <laughs> okay. No, but he's like a philanthropist. Great. He's trying to do something good with good, the money that's Good, 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 Yeah. Yeah, no, that's good. But he's got so much money, so how much was it really, you know? Well, and you know what? He's actually done, we, we always, we always shit on him, but he's done quite a bit. He created this, like, Lucasfilm, like, Industrial Light and Magic is like a big art house effects studio that he created with the sole purpose of like moving forward visual effects. Okay. So he's done a lot to give it back to the community. All right. He's, great, he's great a good job. man, okay? Several directors were considered for this film, including David Fincher, Brad Bird, Ben Affleck, and Guillermo del Toro, director of your favorite <laughs> stupid movie that shouldn't have won Best Picture. You always say it's my favorite movie, and it's just, I, okay, it's the one I wanted to win that year. Out of ten the Shape nine, of Water. Nine better movies. Steven Spielberg suggested a J.J. Abrams to Kathleen Kennedy, who had been picked by Lucas to run Lucasfilm, and Abrams was eventually brought on board. Abrams took over script duties, along with duties, along with Lawrence Kasdan, who co-wrote Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. So there was some pretty good DNA there. I, like if if anything was going to show that this movie was going to be good, it was there. What year was this? Um, all this was kind of happening 2013, 2014. Lucas was kept on as a creative consultant of the film. Which is what he should always be. He attended early story meetings and advised on the details, but was, for the most part, kept completely out. Great. He had later said that Disney had discarded his story ideas for episodes 7 through 9. I wonder why. And that he had no further involvement with the film. It's kind of sad, honestly. It's like his baby and he gave it away. But you know what? I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay with that. He probably is, too. He, he probably got, made He got $4 billion, dollars, you know? He's, he's doing okay. Well, like, think about... Think about, like, what if they would have just stopped at the prequels? Yeah. People no. would just be like, oh, yeah, that was a weird movie. But, like, now it's kind of, like, rejuvenate. It's awoken the force. He apparently had plans to do them on his own. Oh, okay. And I think he was just kind of... I think he honestly was burnt. I think he's... If you watch him in interviews ever since Phantom Menace come out, he's very, like, guarded and kind of bitter. I think he's very burnt by, like... He knows as well as anyone that everyone... People think he ruined his own legacy. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of sad. <laughs> anyway. The movie released on December 18th, 2015. Town funk you up. Are you sure that was 2015? Town funk you up. Yeah. Uh, Mark Ronson and Bruno Mars' huge number one dominated 2015's all-time chart. Dominated the dance floor throughout the year, so it was only natural Mark Ronson's Uptown Funk is the biggest song of 2015. Wow. That was a big song. <laughs> 2015, I was 
You saw this in theaters. Yes. As a 23-year-old. With your family? Yeah. 24. I, I was 24. I saw it at midnight. I had midnight tickets. And then I saw it immediately the next morning. Ye- I saw this thinking to myself, Daisy Ridley was going to be Leia. You thought it was a reboot? Or like a remake? Yes. Well, ironically, it kind of is. I saw this at a midnight showing. I did a bang bang. I saw it the night of <laughs> and I saw it the next morning. Well, I bet that was fun for you. I actually had a great time. It broke numerous box office records. It made a billion dollars in 12 days. Its total haul was just over $2 billion, becoming the highest grossing film in North America and the fourth highest grossing film of all time. Adjusted for inflation, it is the 10th highest grossing movie ever. It's crazy. Incredible. The film received praise for its screenplay, direction, acting performances, particularly those of Harrison Ford, Daisy Ridley, Adam Driver, and John Boyega, who are all very good. You'll see. Adam Driver? Adam Driver's the best. I love that guy. Crossing me. I just call him, uh, real fans call him Adam. Uh, some critics found it derivative of the original trilogy, and some expressed their opinion that the film was essentially a remake of A New Hope. It kind of is, but I, I, I get why. I get why it was that way. On Rotten Tomatoes, it has 93%. The critical consensus reads, Packed with action and populated by both familiar faces and fresh blood, The Force Awakens successfully recalls the series' former glory while injecting it with a renewed energy. The film received five Academy Awards. Uh, sorry, nominations. Oh, I shouldn't have Oof. jumped the gun. Uh, including Best Original Score, Best Sound Editing, Sound Mixing, Film Editing, and Visual Effects. Amazing. Let us move on. Let us move. put the prequels behind us. We never have to think of them again. We only have to think of good Star Wars movies and with practical effects and human performances and listenable dialogue. Thank the Lord. Star Wars The Force Awakens. Here we go. All right. Well, you tell us what happened in the movie. Yeah. Try as best as you can to follow the general structure of the plot because I'm going to interject ideas that I have that will hopefully spark some conversation. Okay, starts out in a galaxy far, far away. Let me cut, let me stop you right there with my first interjection. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first live-action Star Wars film that wasn't released by 20th Century Fox. Because it was through Disney, right? Oh, yeah. And I think I pointed this out to you, but um, th- there's no 20th Century Fox fanfare that let plays. Me, let me give the people just what they want. <laughs> Your eyes are so wide staring at me. Because I just was like, how high can I go? Well, and your hand is rested on your forehead, so it's also tugging one eye slightly wider. Okay. Yeah, that's that's the one. It was missing. Did you notice that? No, I never. I literally never would have noticed that. Growing up on these movies, that fanfare is synonymous with Star Wars. It really was kind of jarring. It's a weird way to start it off. Uh, question, prediction. Yeah. Uh-huh. Do you think this one will? Because now Disney owns Fox. It would be it'd be really cool if they did, but I don't think they will. Okay. Will they do the Disney one? Because no, they actually, Bob Iger specifically said they wouldn't include the Disney logo because it would be even more jarring. It just says Lucasfilm. Yes, because technically Lucasfilm is still the company making it. Disney just owns Lucasfilm. It's like how there's no there's no Disney. And a Pixar. The Pixar ones they usually are because sometimes it's Disney and Pixar. Shoot, take that out. Yeah, that was embarrassing. But I meant from the Marvel movies. It's always the Marvel Studios logo and not the Disney ones. Got it. We spent a long time on just the logo. <laughs> it's going to be a long podcast. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. Movie opens. Movie opens in the galaxy far, far away. The first person we see is Resistance Fighter Poe. Poe is on a mission from Princess Leia, who is now the general. Mm-hmm. Luke Skywalker has vanished. Mm-hmm. That's why Poe is there, because someone oh, there so has... the plans to find the the map to Luke's, where Luke Skywalker yes. is. They get attacked. He puts the plans on oh, the little map in BB-8. He's like a puppy. Like, R2-D2 is the droid that I, I've watched since birth. I watched him grow up, but now there's BB-8, and I just, I feel a renewed sense of, like, I feel a renewed connection to this droid. Do you kind of feel like R2-D2's yesterday's news and BB-8's the new sexy thing? I would call BB-8 the cutest puppy I've ever seen in my life. My favorite thing about BB-8 is that it is a practical yeah, that's thing cool. that's remote controlled. Very cool. I don't... The way I, that he moves in the sand. Is... I actually don't really understand how the head stays where it is. Uh, you know what Ryan told me? What? Just barely on the phone. Shout out to Ryan again. In Star Wars Land, you can make your own droid. You can make R2-D2 or you can make BB-8. That is very fun. And then you can customize um, a lightsaber as well. Did you know you can... It'll cost you $200, but... It's worth you, it. You can do it. Did you know you can buy your own BB-8 that's remote control. Very cool. No one's portraying him. Like Kenny Baker was in the R2-D2 oh, yeah. suit, but he does have two voice consultants credited. Uh, Bill Hader and Ben Schwartz. Bill Hader? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I I, I guess they that. came up with the beeps and boops. They get attacked. They get attacked. It's the Jakku Storm, Desert. S- Stormtroopers everywhere. Oh, yeah, they're in Jakku. Then suddenly, a stormtrooper comes out. Blood all over his face. Which I think they did because you have to be able to know which one is him. Yeah. So that's basically the only reason for that. Well, yeah. Economic storytelling. So show yeah. that he's like traumatized, but also you can like... You can point him out. Yeah. yeah, Kylo Ren, and uh, redhead, British guy, General Hux, Domhnall Gleeson. Domhnall Gleeson, yeah. Who you know what? I does not. I don't buy him in this role you at all. I don't really like him. I love Domhnall Gleeson as a normal person. Yes, in about time. Mm. I don't like him. <laughs> Remember when we went to see Hell's Kitchen and <laughs> Domhnall Gleeson just shows up. Oh, it wasn't it called Hell's Kitchen? I think it was just called The Kitchen. Yeah, oh. he's like her her boyfriend. He's like the, the bad boy. Yeah, he's like, he's like a, a bad boy. He's like a guy with leather jackets. He rips open bodies and like dismembers them. And it's oh, yeah. that's another one you're just like, oh, I don't buy this at all. I know. He just like, I feel like he just tries to play. I mean, like, and, and like a role like this, I'm sure you'd just be like, oh, yeah, of course I'll take that. Like if you got it. Oh, Star Wars, for sure yeah. you would. Yeah. But like. It's just like this isn't your thing. You don't you don't need to be this character. I'm fine with him in it. He's hamming it up. Oh my gosh. He's fine in it. I disagree, but I like the dynamic that he has with Kylo Ren where they're kind of They're they're kind of like it's a power struggle. Yeah, and it's really passive aggressive. And it's really like teacher's petty. Yeah. I like I enjoy Ooh, that. Ooh, teacher's petty. You're being like teacher's petty. Kylo Ren stops a blaster in midair. What does he do with it? He has the guy, he's talking to Max von Sydow, he kills him, and then Poe Dameron shoots him from behind, and he just turns and stops it in midair, and then freezes Poe Dameron. Oh yeah, I remember that. There's a couple new force powers in this movie. Which I'm fine with. Yeah, no, I, I like that they keep expanding on that and doing things like that. Like, his, I, there's kind of hinted that you can mind read with the force, but I like that he actually like really does use it to mind read, and his like freezing ability I think is really cool. Yeah. 
Um, so then he captures Poe. Yeah. And puts him in the chair and mm-hmm. tries to get him to tell where the map is. BB-8's gone. Like, escaped. Yeah, he, he puts like, the map and he's like, go get out of here. Yeah. The First Order's looking for the droid. Mm-hmm. Ray and BB-8 meet. Oh, BB-8's getting, like, taken for parts. Or this guy wants to take him for parts. And Ray saves him because she suddenly, I guess she speaks whatever language that is. And she takes BB-8, or BB-8 follows her, then she says it's okay, so then she has this droid. And then she takes it to sell it to the guy, and he's like, I'll give you 60 rations. And she's like, no. So then we meet Stormtrooper. Um, Stormtrooper and Poe meet. Um, Stormtrooper needs Poe, the pilot, to get him out of the situation because he's running from the First Order. Then he creates a name, and it's Finn. Um, How'd you like that? little sequence i thought that was great we talked about that as it was going on that it's especially weird watching it right after we watched the prequels and most of this movie is it has such energy Mm -hmm. and it just moves at like a it just feels real the people the characters feel real they have charisma Mm -hmm. they're charming they talk like real people they move around in like an actual space not a cgi set and that sequence is just great where they're they have they have really good chemistry together. Mm-hmm. Pin and not Pin, Finn and Poe do. <laughs> they're a couple. They're a couple named Pin. Well, you know, a lot of people. Foe. A lot of people ship them. You know what? I would. Okay. They're great together. I like the idea of him being a uh, defecting stormtrooper. I kind of think that's interesting. They crash land. Finn thinks Poe is dead. Finn takes the jacket. That's why BB-8 sees him and's like, "That's that's that's, that's Poe's, Poe's jacket. jacket." Yeah. Yeah. And then. Um, Ray comes up and they're like have this little he runs over she's getting mugged and he runs over there by the time he gets there she's already beaten up the people with her staff oh yeah and he's like how'd you do that and then the first order shows up because they know to go back to Jakku because the droid's there and they start shooting everything and that's when they take off running they take off they're like that's she's like that's my ship he's like you're a pilot she's like yeah I'm a pilot and then they're running toward it oh and he's like he's like why don't we just take that one and she's like that's a piece of crap and then they run towards her ship, and it blows up. So they're like, all right, we guess we'll take the piece of crap. And it's the Millennium Falcon! That is, I think, the best reveal in the movie. Yeah, it's Because I didn't, I didn't suspect that at all in the movie theater. You usually, well, it's all happening so fast. I know. Like, you just don't have time to process, like, that throwaway line. He's like, what about that ship? That was garbage! The garbage will do! That one, that was pretty masterful, yeah. I will say. Because cool. some of the other things that are like a bit, a little bit of fan service is a bit too, not too much, but yeah, you can, you're kind of like, little... sure. That one I really liked. Yeah. That's my favorite sequence in the movie. It's so dynamically shot. And it's really fun. You. What we... do you mean by like dynamically? Because people are like me and they don't know what that means. <laughs> I mean, I know what dynamically means, but like. There weren't a lot of static shots of just, or like wide shots of the ships flying around. The camera moved with it in a very like, like exciting and energetic way. And there was one where they're flying around. They want to keep low to the desert because it confuses their trackers or their scanners. And they see the like the big, the big remains of a huge star destroyer that's in the oh, desert. Yeah. And they're like, let's fly in there. So they fly in there, and there's a great shot where it's an overhead shot, 
it's flying in there. The TIE fighter's chasing them. And then, it, like, the camera, like, zooms right in at it. And, like, at a sh- and it's kind of shaky a little bit. So it feels almost, like, handheld. It's an obvious, like, effect because all those all the shots you're seeing are computer-generated. But it makes it f- move with a lot of life. And it's a really fun sequence. You just compare it to, like, Obi-Wan and Anakin trying to land that ship in Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> like, that feels so fake and staged and stilted. And this one feels like they're clearly making things up as they're going and yelling to each other and being very excited or being very, like, there's a lot of good, like, yelling back there's and forth. There's a lot at stake. Yes. I and, feel like I say that a lot. And they're, like, you can tell they're making it up as they go. And so you're it's revealing a lot about them as characters. It's the best filmed and most fun and, like, creative sequence, I think, in the movie. I really like that part. And it has this really great shot that was actually in the very first trailer of the Millennium Falcon, like, flipping upside down. And the camera, like, stays with it. And it's fun because Finn goes down into the gunner seat. And it's the same gunner seat Luke and Han sat in in the first Star Wars when they were shooting away the, the TIE fighters when they were leaving the Death Star. And he's sitting in the same seat. And, like, even, like, the the... Monitors like the same like 70s style graphics. It's really so like that is really fun. Yeah So then Chewie and Han Solo show up. So at this point when you're watching it Are you thinking like oh, so is this a sequel? Yeah, I I just didn't I kept turning my mom like Mom, what's going on? I don't what's going on. Oh, man, you would have been so annoying to sit next to I know experience I know your poor mom just trying to enjoy a movie. My mom's like just watch the other one Just watch the damn movie (laughs) Um, she was very nice to me. She was like, and that's the Millennium Falcon. I think she did. She turned, she's like, that's in the, that's in the originals. That's like the ship. Cause like in the theater, everyone's like, oh, you know, <laughs> like everyone, there's just like a light hum of like, oh, so yeah, they show up. Oh, he's basically just like, oh, my ship, Chewie, we're back. Yeah. He says something like that. What does he say? Chewie, we're home. My favorite part of that whole thing is when I think it's I think Finn's sitting there and somehow he turns on the like little alien chess game or whatever. Oh that is. yeah. And Chewie just kind of like perks up and he's like, hmm? There's also another really fun part where he's Finn's like looking through stuff to help Ray fix something. This is before Han Solo picks him up and he lifts up the little ball that Luke trained with in the first Star Wars oh. that was floating in the air. There's like a ton of little stuff like that. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. Harrison Ford is genuinely great in this movie. Yeah. I have a theory that he's in such a good mood because he finally got his wish to kill off his character. He gets to die. He's thrilled. He's just so engaged. I feel like it's like uh, condescending to say, but I just feel like I've seen him in other movies in his older years where he just doesn't seem as invested and he just seems like he's 100% there. Mm. And having a great time. And I feel like that's kind of why. It's because he finally... Like last day of school kind of thing. Oh, yeah. You're just well, like, this is fun because I, I don't have to do this ever again. I, I feel like he, more than the other two in Return of the Jedi, he looks so checked out. He's well, he like, doesn't have anything to do in that one. Yes. And I feel like... And, and he wanted that character to die in Return of the Jedi. He should have. And he's doing a really good job. And he has a really good chemistry with Rey. Yeah, with he Ridley. does. I yeah. liked that. They have yeah, so, a really fun dynamic. So then they land on the planet... It's Maz Kanata's planet. Maz Kanata, that little orange alien. Oh, Lupita Nyong'o. Yeah. It's it's like a throwback to the cantina. Yeah, in fact, I was going to tell you this. Lin-Manuel Miranda contributed music to the, the cantina scene. Oh, that's cool. What do you think about Maz Kanata, Lupita Nyong'o's She's character? fine. I thought she was going to be a little bit more puppet... Like there was going to be like some puppetry with her. I wish there was. Yeah. She's it's... a little too CGI. 
I feel like they could have had Lupita there on set in some kind of makeup. She did do motion capture for it. But, like, why? I don't know. I don't understand the purpose of that. For some reason in Star Wars, all CGI characters just stand out for some reason. Like, I feel like you can augment them if they're already, like, in makeup or a suit or... But when they're all CGI, it really stands out. I have a genuine question. If you're doing motion capture for a character... Why even pay that person? Like, why pay Lupita Nyong'o when all you need is the motion? Like, she could do a voiceover, right? The way that the motion captures, they're capturing the performance on your face. And so you could argue you're paying for their performance. Mm. Yeah, it's not just like a simple voiceover. Like, okay. they're, they're giving an actual performance. Like It's not like she's in a sound studio and then she goes and does all the motion. <laughs> um, sometimes it, it's, it can be a little bit of both. Like, in some instances... instances I think Lupito Nyong'o did this. I know Josh Brolin was there on set and like in Avengers Endgame where Mark Ruffalo is playing the other Hulk, uh-huh. like smart Hulk. Yeah. He's there on set with like basically a unitard with like dots on it and dots all over his face and this big like monitor that kind of hangs around his face that tracks the dots of like the movements well, of his face. Well, and see, that even makes sense to me because Josh Brolin sort of looks like You can see Thanos. his face in Thanos' face. And especially Mark Ruffalo looks just like the Hulk. But like... Lupita Nyong'o looks nothing like. But I still think they're tracking alien. what her, what she's doing with her face and like hmm. to That's contribute so to the performance. Look, I don't disagree. I think it should have been um, either. She should have been in co- she like should have in been, costume. Yeah, in a costume with makeup. I mean, you couldn't have her small like that. But I also don't love the design. Well, like yeah, that character. It's not like that character was like nothing. Feels, anything else? Nothing feels very distinctive about the character design. Yeah. The, char- the the color of yellow is kind of an ugly color. I don't love. This is. Uh, Kind of where the movie starts to lose steam for me a bit, if I'm being honest. What's like the sound of like loose steam? That's it. So then something's calling to Ray. She goes like messing around. She goes snooping. She gets to the little treasure. Is somebody with her? Is BB-8 with her? He's kind of following her around, I think. But she's by herself when she goes in there. So she opens a thing. She touches Luke's lightsaber. And then suddenly she's like alone. This was actually the scariest part to me. I don't remember if this was the point that I told you that I think Kylo Ren is the scariest villain. I up until this point thought it was Darth uh, Darth Maul, but oh. I think I think Kylo Ren is way scarier. She's alone, kind of in the woods. She almost has like a she sees it, and it's Kylo Ren. She's seeing all sorts of weird stuff. Like she sees part of the Luke Vader fight in Empire Strikes Back. Oh yeah. She also sees Kylo Ren killing a bunch of people. Because if you remember earlier, we kind of skipped over this. There's yeah. a scene where Han Solo explains like, to Finn and Rey. That kid did a lot of crazy stuff. Yeah. She puts it back. Maz comes in and she's like, it was calling to you. That's Luke's Skywalker's lightsaber or whatever. This lightsaber's calling to you and Rey's like, I don't want anything to do with that. Oh, yeah. And leaves. And then Finn takes the lightsaber. Yes. Yes. And there's, really, there's a great scene earlier where Maz is talking to Finn and Han Solo and Rey. And they have a really good conflict because he's trying to get away from the First Order and Rey just keeps thinking, I need to get back to Jakku because my family's there. My family's going to come for me. Yes. And I actually thought that was... uh, They did something really cool with their character where they were able to kind of capture that longing that Luke Skywalker had in the first Star Wars where he wanted to get out and see the world. But hers is kind of flipped where... She's afraid to go out because she thinks if, if I stay away too long, my, family's my family could come back and I'm not there. But they still follow the same hero's journey where she still has the refusal of the call, which is 
Maz being like, take the lightsaber. And she's like, no. So she runs out. She's in the woods. And that's when the Kylo First Ren. Order and the Resistance show up and have a space battle over the water. And Kylo Ren's there. She's got Han's... Oh, she takes Han's gun. And she tries to use it. And Kylo Ren is very scary. And oh, the way that he approaches is so creepy. And his lightsaber, like... Is crackly, this, oh, and then, like... Oh, it's got the cross guard. Yeah. coming out the sides. He's so creepy because he's not, like, big and scary and, like... His exterior is not as intimidating as, like, when he takes off the mask, if that makes sense. I thought. And I thought, like, he just... He's such an average-looking... Well, and you said during it that he's so erratic. That's kind of what's... Yeah. He's, unnerving like, about him. Yes. Like, the one... When one of his... Inferiors comes in and tells him, hey, we lost the droid. And he just rips up. Oh, yeah. Rips up this console. Yeah. Snoke. Yeah. Let's talk about him for a second. You don't see him very much in this movie. He's like a naked Voldemort throne baby. I don't like him very much either. I think his his design's kind of also kind of boring. Yeah, he's um, also CGI, obviously. And a little generic. (laughs) Yeah. And it, it just like kind of looks like E.T. He's just kind of like the Emperor, but we don't really, we're not like invested in him as a, as a villain because we had several movies with the Emperor. Anyway. At the end of the Ray fight, he takes her back to his ship. Yeah. The Resistance shows up and Han and Leia reunite. Uh, they talk about their son for, I, you know what? I'm still, I, in these movies more than the other ones, I could like stand Han and Leia, but. You know, I actually am more. Just kind of boring. I'm more bugged by them in this movie than the original trilogy. Really? I feel like they have a lot of pretty lame couple jokes. Yeah. There's always a lot of, Tom would be like, what did I do wrong? She'd be like, everything. And I f- imagine it's a bunch of like middle-aged moms and dads, like kind of, <laughs> like yeah. nudging jokes each other, nudging each other, Reagan being era. like, oh, that's like you, hon. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. Or there's another one where around the table, like strategizing how they're going to get the, the base. And he's like, I can get in there. She's like, how are you going to do that? He's like, if I told you, you wouldn't like it. So now they got BB-8. They have like the map. They go back to where the rest of the resistance is. Yeah. And this is where you get, you see your two favorite people again. Poe and Finn. Oh, I meant C-3PO and R2-D2. Oh. Whoa. C-3PO, R2-D2. Well, R2-D2 doesn't do anything. Were you kind of bummed that he wasn't really in the movie? No. BB-8 kind of stole that from me. Oh my gosh. Not forever. No, it's cool. You just... Just toss aside a droid. Yeah. Anyway, what I was getting to was Kylo Ren takes Rey back to his ship, puts yeah. her in the chair, tries to read her mind. Can't read her mind. She kind of realizes how much power she has at that point, but doesn't really understand it. This is the first time you see is he takes off his mask and you see yeah. Adam Driver's face. He kind of looks like Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher a little bit. Yeah. as That was a great pick. Yeah. We, you and I have... A deep, deep, deep love for Adam Driver, I would say. We're in the driver's seat, as they say. <laughs> we love Adam Driver. We're there. We love Adam Driver. I would see any movie that Adam Driver is in. So. <laughs> Me too, probably. He, he's, he, does, he's he never disappoints. He's very good. This girl that I've been reading her blog for years and years and years wrote a book talking about, and it's kind of like a memoir. I've also seen interviews with her where she talks about this guy who she dated, who, and she never names him. This guy in New York who is now, she went to Juilliard acting school and she dated this guy who was in her same class and he's now a like bona fide movie star. So in like an interview, she was like, I'm not going to tell you who he is, but like he's definitely like, like everyone knows who he is. 
So I researched, and I think it's Adam Driver. I think she dated Adam Driver. Why do you think this? Because he graduated the same year she graduated. So there's no holes in this theory? No, there are. There's one hole. What's the hole? He was married before. Hmm. But I know... (laughs) But not like the same... Not like crossover years. She just never mentioned that he was married before. So maybe it's... I just... I love the idea of thinking like this person who's like written me personal emails dated Adam Driver. Why don't you ask her? Because she's famous kind of now. What if you dated Adam Driver? I just like... What if you dated any movie star? I'd be kind of bummed out about it. And every time... Oh, and she talks about... She like... She went to see the movie that he was in with her mom. And her mom was like, is that him? And she's like, yeah, that'd be crazy. Anyway, so let's get back to the podcast. <laughs> that was, Courtney's, she, go- that was Courtney, <laughs> Courtney's gossip corner. Anyway, she tells the stormtrooper, hey, you're going to take me away from here. <laughs> yeah, inside the stormtrooper outfit. Guess who? None other than... Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> It's Daniel Craig. Uh, the guy inside the Stormtrooper that helps her out is Daniel it's Craig. DC. Yeah. So she, that's how she gets out. Do you remember where this is all happening? Yeah. On It's another Death Star. Third time's the charm. Third time's the charm. They're like, we're this one's really going to stick. Yeah. They even have some throwaway line where they're like, no, the, this was the Death Star, but this is Starkiller Base. It's bigger. Oh, and, yeah. And Han Solo's just like, well, we can just blow that one up too, I guess. <laughs> We've done it a million times. Yeah, it's like he looks at the like straight at the audience. He's like, you know how this goes. <laughs> so they formulate a plan. It's just basically the exact same plan from Star Wars. And Finn's like, I know how to turn off the shields. So oh yeah. So Finn and Han Solo, and Han Solo has a really nice jacket with like some feather, like some nice fur on the 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 hood. He looks looking really good. His weather outfit. Uh huh. Do you know what's funny though? What that part where they're like sneaking around in the snow and they're like having this intense conversation, Finn and Han. Then how do you know how to disable the shields? I don't. I'm just here to get Ray. People are counting on us. The galaxy is counting on us. Solo, we'll figure it out. We'll use the Force. That's not how the Force works. Oh, really? You're cold? Come on. And then they go inside. They see Ray climbing up the wall. Yeah. And then they reunite with her. The X-Wing pilots, led by Poe Dameron, are like going to go and try to blow up this base. And Han Solo's like, we need to we need to place bombs in this building over here. Because that's where like the shield generator is. Anyway, so Han Solo and Chewbacca are in there placing bombs. Kylo Ren is in the same room. And Han Solo looks, sees him across this long archway, because Kylo Ren can sense that Han Solo is around. Yes. Han Solo goes up to confront him, calls him Ben! 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 Han Solo says, like, come with us. It's fine. And he he looks like he is breaking him down and being and like winning him over. Yes. And he says, I'm being torn apart. Will you help me? He's like, I don't want to be so conflicted anymore. Han Solo's like, yeah, 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 that's fine. Like whatever you need. And then he then stabs him. Chewie clips him, shoots him in the side. And then Leia feels a disruption in the Force. She knows. 
Ray and Finn, they are confronted by Kylo Ren. Finn pops up the lightsaber again. Kylo Ren's like, that's mine. They have a little tussle, and Kylo Ren just beats him up. Cuts him up the back. Where is Ray? He's like pushed her against a tree. But then he goes to try to pick up the lightsaber, and it flies past him, and she catches it. Oh, yeah. That was cool. Yeah. I remember that. And then they fight. Lightsaber to lightsaber. Mm Mm-hmm. Because did at any point when you watched it, the first or the second time, were you ever thinking, like, when does Luke show up? Yeah. And I remember thinking in that moment, like, wondering if it was going to fly past him and have Luke catch it. That would have been so dumb. Also, I kind of felt like the Han Solo death was a little predictable. Mm-hmm. As he was out there, I was like, I wonder if he's going to get killed. Basically, when Leia Tahan was like, go get our son, was when I was like, he's going to die. Well, I didn't have the context you had. Oh, that's true. But especially when he stood out on that ledge, I'm like, that ledge doesn't even have railings. Yeah, that's when I thought that. Yeah, he's a goner. After that, it's just kind of like, they just are done. She basically goes to find Luke. Yeah, in fact, I feel like that fight doesn't even really need to be there. Like, a lot of a lot of the criticism I have with that fight is that I don't really know how she can beat him. He's hurt from the shot that Chewie has. Do you remember when he kept being, like, yeah. hitting himself? Yeah. She cuts him up the face. Conveniently, a tear happens in the ground that separates them. Then they get on the Millennium Falcon. They fly out of there. She takes Finn. They go back. Two wakes up. Leia and Ray hug. Chewie walks right past her. You notice that? <laughs> no. It's weird. They've known each other for 30 years. <laughs> Their best friend just died. They have the rest of the map. Then she's walking up the mountain, the steps of the mountain, to get to the top where Luke is. Are there some sort of like signs or something on the way to the top? No. Are they like nice signs or like cardboard ones where kids put up like that there's a car wash going on? Call or like in Labyrinth when the little guys are like popping up and changing the direction of the arrows that she's drawing with her lipstick? I hate everything about that chaotic, cruel world <laughs> of Labyrinth. So the movie ends, she's handing Luke the lightsaber. He just gives it a look. Yeah, I would say conflicted. Okay. His past and his future have collided. What'd you think of the movie? I liked it. Did you like it more the second time? Yes. Oh. I knew what was going on. That's helpful. I have some overall thoughts and some pieces of trivia to share with you. Great. I also thought this movie was fine, but I think it has definitely a stronger start. Fine? It has a really strong start. It kind of loses me a bit in the middle, and I feel like it kind of unravels a bit in the end. I still liked it. Some of the criticisms that are levied at it, I kind of agree with. It's basically the same plot of the first Star Wars. Mm -hmm. There's information. They put it in a droid. Everyone's looking for the droid. It's on a desert planet. They destroy the planet. They get the droid. They destroy the planet. A mentor is killed by someone from his past while the other people look on. You could have removed the entire Starkiller base thing and them need to blow up. They could have just been on a base somewhere and they could have gotten away. Like, you know what I mean? But like, why would they be at the base? Because Kylo Ren would have kidnapped Rey. Oh. So they, there's, you know what I mean? They didn't need any of that. And ultimately there was no point. Like, I, I do you even remember Poe in the X-Wings flying around trying to blow up the Starkiller base. No. It's because there was no point to it. You knew that they were going to blow it up. But it's a, I understand why you make it like that because it's been 30 years. People have a bad taste in their mouth with Star Wars. You want to remind them as much like, as you can. You're like, look, yeah, make them feel safe. Like, this is the good stuff. And then, like, kind of settle everyone in. And maybe if new people like you who'd never seen a Star Wars movie bring new audiences in. They had to do a lot of things with this movie. And so I think for, the, for what they were trying to do is very successful. And there were genuine parts that I just give me all the feels. They're so fun together. What See, was your favorite one? Genuine, the part where I was like, 
oh, that's great. Like, this is exciting. Was the Millennium Falcon reveal. I love that. But I do like the Han and Chewie were home part. Yeah, I think that was mine. It really was like a, a moment where you're like, I can't believe I'm going to watch Star Wars again with these characters. Yeah. It's really fun. I, I personally like the chess thing where Chewie sits up. Oh, yeah. He's like, oh, we're going to play. We're going to play around. <laughs> and there's some locations where this was filmed. Most of it I was filmed those. in Buckinghamshire, England at Pinewood Studios. That's where Lucasfilm has some studios there. Um, I think this is where Jakku was filmed. The United Arab Emirates. That's it. Around Liwa Oasis, which is part of the Emirate of Abu Dhabi. Skellig Michael is an island off the coast of Ireland. That's where oh. the final sequence was filmed. Um, the landscapes for Maz's planet, which is the very like the very lush trees and everything, that was shot in the Lake District in Northwest England. And then interesting. Do you remember, uh, the parts where they were just with the rest of the resistance, all the X-Wings were out there, and it was also kind of grassy. Yeah. Um, that was filmed at the former RAF Greenham Common Military Base in Berkshire. Wow. So much of it in, in England and Europe. They filmed, They actually filmed a lot of it in England. A lot of the other Star Wars films, too. Cinematographer Daniel Mindel said The Force Awakens used real locations and scale models over computer-generated imagery to make it aesthetically similar to the original Star Wars trilogy. Feels more lived in. Yeah, it looks it's real. Dusty. A lot of the like a lot of the aliens were actual like costumes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Harrison Ford was injured filming this movie. He fractured his leg um, filming in Pinewood after a hydraulic door on the Millennium Falcon fell on him. Ow! And he was taken to the hospital. Wow. According to Abrams, his ankle went to a ninety degree angle. Oh my sick! Production was suspended for two weeks because of the injury. And oh, I can't even think about. They had that. to shoot him from the waist up for a lot of the scenes just to kind of work around the injury. J.J. Uh, Abrams also suffered a fractured vertebrae in his back when he was trying to help lift the door after Ford's accident. But Jeez, he kept this get to rid himself. Of that for, door. He kept that to himself for over a month. There's a lot of privacy surrounding the creation of the movie. Storyboard artist Simon Durek said that the security on the film was a challenge. The script was locked in a safe. Uh, They had people flying drones over Pinewood Studios trying to take photographs. Uh, If a prop was being moved, we had to have them covered in a big black sheet. We were told in an email to be wary of drones. (laughs) It was reported in December 2015 that Harrison Ford was paid $25 million plus 5% share of the revenue. Ridley, uh, Daisy Ridley and John Boyega each received $460,000 plus a share of the movie if it grossed over a billion. It, it did. did. Carrie Fisher received $1.5 million. Yeah. Huh. In the original 1977 film, Harrison Ford was paid $10,000, <laughs> which is the equivalent to $41,000 now. <laughs> this also be, there was a lot of criticism on this movie of agenda pushing. Well, some critics felt that Rey was a Mary Sue. Have you ever heard that term? No. That's a character in fantasy that can just kind of do everything really well. That's really annoying because that's the exact same thing that happens to Luke and nobody says that. Nobody gives him that criticism. It's true. And I I kind of agree with it in a way, but I more blame the writing of just like some of the rushed writing. Well, what does she do that's like so perfect other than like having the force well she beats kylo ren in a fight and he's shown it's just i think it's the problem with the storytelling he's shown to be really powerful in the beginning of the movie and then she's never really used the force and beats him in a fight but i kind of think that he's also hurt so he's off his game i don't know 
Well, she's so also... she kind of, like, figures it out quicker than Luke did. She's also a fighter. Like, she knows how to fight already. It's kind of established in the movie. Yeah. Look, I don't I don't really agree with these criticisms She's like a either. scavenger. Yeah. Um, people also criticized J.J.'s, J.J. Abrams' mystery box kind of approach to storytelling yeah. where he sets up a lot of questions but doesn't really have any of the answers set mm-hmm. up, which caused so much speculation after this movie. Everyone, the things people speculated the most on were who was Ray's parents and who is Supreme Leader Snoke. Do you think Ray's parents are anyone important? Um, no, because I think that's too easy. I think maybe they want you to think that. Look, you'll get an answer to this. I know. But I just, I think it's like... That's like an easy way to go if she's like Luke's daughter or like, oh, this universe is so small. The same 10 characters keep bumping into each other. Yeah, it's just kind of like, why can't her parents just be like, her family just never came back? I won't spoil, you'll find out what happens, but I will say my mindset was the same as yours. I also didn't care who Snoke was. People kept theorizing who Snoke was. The prominent theory at the time is that he is Darth Plagueis. Yeah. Do you remember the the weird opera with the sperm? Yeah. Where Chancellor Palpatine's like, you oh, know. Oh, the sperm opera? Oh, yeah. Spop. Darth, Darth Plagueis. It was Palpatine's master. Stupid. I agree. I also thought this speculation was dumb, and I'm like, these are not the interesting parts of this movie. I don't know yeah. why people are obsessed with this. Anyway, did you have a favorite character of the movie? I really love Finn. He's. I love him. He's great, right? He's just very, like, charismatic, and, like, I just... Such a likable character. There's, I all three of the new like Finn, Poe, and Ray. They all have. Yeah, they're they're so exciting. Like they are. I mean, I mean that they are excited characters. Like they have a sense of awe about the world around them that's really contagious when you're watching it. They're very earnest. Yeah. There's not like the original Star Wars. Han Solo was kind of like making fun of everything, and I kind of figured one of those characters would have would just be like the Han Solo archetype. But they're all very earnest and very like, we love this world. Like, yeah. wow, learning about this stuff. Who's your least favorite character in this movie? Wow, I don't know if I have one. Maybe the tiny alien. <laughs> Maz Kanata? Yeah, but she wasn't. She didn't do anything to make me mad. Leia's kind of annoying. Okay. More, more than Han Solo. Han Solo kind of redeems himself a little bit in this one. I, I don't, maybe it's just because Leia didn't really have a lot of... Stuff to do? Yeah. Um... I don't really think a lot of that was her fault. Yeah. I, I It's a bummer that you don't really see much of those characters. It makes sense why you don't have them show up till later in the movie because you want audiences to be invested in the new characters. Which and, I was. Yeah. I love Ray too. She's but so but the great. downside of that is you don't get as much time with the original, the older characters as much. But The perfect amount of time with Han Solo. And Chewie. Yeah. I do. I there, love Chewie. There is something very sad when I realized this in the movie when Han Solo died and she went to find Luke that... You never saw all three of those characters share the screen again? What, what was your favorite moment in the movie? I really like Poe and Finn at the beginning. From the from just like the minute they start talking, you're just yeah. like, I could watch a movie of these guys just hanging out. Yeah. Yeah. Could you snap again? Okay. I just, I didn't hear the sound, so I couldn't figure I out. Didn't, I didn't do the sound. Okay. I just wanted to make sure you can snap. I'll be honest. I couldn't for a long time of my life. <laughs> and I looked like a right idiot trying <laughs> And failing. <laughs> what was your least favorite part of the movie? The part where Poe is in the chair and uh, Kylo Ren's trying to get stuff out of him. Oh, really? Yeah. I also think it had a very strong beginning. Yeah, you just, which is to its You're credit. You're immediately kind of invested. I am so connected to those new characters. I was like, I really like these characters and I, I want to see what happens to them. I really yeah. care about them. I didn't feel like the end was as strong. Like I said, they kind of kill Han Solo and then it just kind of like doesn't go anywhere. 
and it's probably for the best you don't really remember much of that fight because it's full of really kind of just moments that are kind of dumb yeah they need to move from point a to point b yeah and so they've just done it in a really yeah. sloppy way it's really sweaty as some people would say rank the film out of four stars three it's, we're, we're back to three we're back up baby those prequels did they even happen we don't remember them no we don't all right silliest names i'm gonna list them off okay Kylo Ren, Poe Dameron, Maz Kanata, Supreme Leader Snoke. <laughs> that one. And Unker Plutt. Who's that? Unker Plutt is the guy that she's that she gives stuff to and he oh, says, Oh, that one. A quarter brashen. Yeah. That did one. You, did you know that Simon Pegg? So he's in that. That's funny because he's like the opposite of that character. He's like tall and skinny. I know. That guy is like he's like enormous. in an actual costume. Oh, that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. That's cool. So Unker Plot has the silliest name. Yes. I'm surprised you didn't think Poe Dameron's a silly name. No, I thought that was kind of cool. Oh, good. Uh, I think we've really picked this movie apart. Yeah, we really have. We've gone as much as we... I don't think there's anything more I have to say about it. Me neither. I'm very excited for you to see The Last Jedi. I know, you are. We're going to watch that. Yeah. And then we'll be ready for The Rise of Skywalker. All right, as always, to finish off the podcast, um, Courtney, where can people find us? You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at WifeWatches. Just as a note, that Twitter handle is at wife underscore watches, not wife watches. If people want to reach out to us, maybe give us a long, bit of a longer message, where can they email us? Uh, they can email us at mywifewatchesmovies at gmail.com. If you have any questions, uh, if you want to suggest a movie for us to watch, please send it, send it there. I do have one question really fast from okay. a listener named Paul T. We pointed out that there were three racist caricatures oh, sure. in Star Wars Episode 1, but we never actually said who they were. Yeah. Which I actually think is more... <laughs> Did Paul not know? I think is more of a reflection on the person asking the question. <laughs> um, but I will say those three characters that I think are rather insensitive uh-huh. are the Neomoidians or the businessmen as you call them. Yeah, I call them the businessmen. Jar Jar Binks yeah. and Watto or Wingsy Snowtor is what we call them. Yes. Are we going to like list with the Is that weird? Look, if it's if it gets It's pretty well If known. it gets complicated, I'll cut this part. Okay. <laughs> uh Wingsy Snowtor is derogatory of Jewish Culture. Allegedly. Allegedly. You could argue this wasn't intentional, but right. There's it's it it's, it's it looks bad. It looks bad. Yeah, it does. Jar Jar Binks, Caribbean, mm-hmm. sort of Islander. Jamaican. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the third one. Uh, the businessman. The, the business that one's like the most blatant. I would say. Like Asian businessman. Because it's kind of. The mouths don't line up right with the actual words they're speaking, which is weird because there's people in the costumes. That was the weirdest the part The eyes to me. are kind of designed to be sort of slanted. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. it, it is... It's, it's distasteful. If it was just one and not the three, you could maybe argue that it was uh-huh. like, like a coincidence. Like an oversight. But it is... <sighs> it's, it's, it's glaring. It's baffling. Yeah. It's very bad. What was he thinking? I don't know, but it's gross. George... That's why you can't be in charge. That's why you can't have nice things. Sorry, George. We're taking away your toys. You can't play with them anymore. Yeah, you, you use them incorrectly. So there um, you go, Paul. It gets... made us uncomfortable even yeah. talking about it. And as always, we love to end this podcast with a litany of noises and sounds to fill your ears. The Jason always has to turn the volume down on. Yep. I actually, it is kind of a pain because I have to like, yeah. click it. And, like, well, you're welcome. You're the one who makes me do the sounds. 
What? Nothing. Chewbacca. That one was actually... The second one was okay. You say that after every time you've done a Chewbacca. R2-D2. Darth Vader. That's the wolf blowing down the three little pig's house, actually. That was maybe your worst Darth Vader impression. Ewoks. Jar Jar Binks. Misha Jar Jar Binks. After we just categorized how that's offensive. (laughs) And adding a new one to the roster, BB-8. Does he make sound? What is it? Just like beep, beep, beep? It's like a... Oh, it's like a purring. Yeah. Do you remember when Finn does a thumbs up and his little like arm shoots out with the fire? Oh, yeah, that's cute. He's a, he's a little golden retriever. He's adorable. When they're flying around the Falcon, he's just flopping her everywhere and he shoots out the wires just like suspend himself there. <laughs> yeah. In the trailer for the new one that's coming out this week. And he's just running the fastest. He's trying to keep up with everyone. The music is swelling and he's everyone's running. Oh. He... And he's going, he is just, his his heart is going so fast. He's just hurrying. Bless he's so his little, little. His little ball. He just keeps going. And well, when he's keeping up with Finn and Ray when they're running through Jakku. Yeah. He's, I love that. What I a know. great invention. Yeah. That's the most successful imagery from the new Disney Star Wars films. Would you yeah, agree? I would. Most recognizable. I would say Millennium Falcon. Darth Vader. I would say R2 before C-3PO. Then then C-3PO. Yoda. A lightsaber. Here. Honestly, nothing from the prequels except maybe if you saw Darth Maul. Yes, I would actually say Darth Maul. And like Jedi braids. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. BB-8. What about Rey's haircut? I bet that was popular on every continent. I I saw an interesting quote from one of the producers. I can't remember who it was from. I'm sorry. I'm sorry whoever said this. But they said... Pull out a map, throw a dart at that map, wherever that dart lands, someone in that place has heard of Star Wars. The Indian Ocean. (sighs) (laughs) I thought it was so cool and it gave me chills about how connected we are as a human race and how something exciting can bring humanity together and make us hope in something bigger than ourselves. And I've never felt more disconnected or smaller. (laughs) All right. Let's get out of here. All right. Thanks, everyone. Watch you later. (laughs) You're sticking with that. Yeah. (laughs) It's all I got.